what's going on at the Metro Baptist Association. If you've never been to our uh, support center that's located in Ridgeland, where, where my office is, sometimes if you come and look at it, we'd love for y'all to come visit, you'll notice it's not a very large building. And sometimes we need to have meetings to where we can get together and maybe stretch out a little bit and relax. Well, John has always been so good to provide the building that the Metro Baptist Association does for free. Just have us in there, and he and his staff always welcome us. So thank you, John, for that. It means it means much, especially uh, in the middle of we're kind of going through a restructure, looking at how God's going to take us uh, into the future and what's the best way we can go about accomplishing that mission. And so it's taken some of that stuff, and we really appreciate it. No kidding. Thank you. Thank you very much. I will tell you about the, just give you a real quick update on the Children's Village and how everything's going first. And uh, I, I'm asked all the time, hey, how are y'all handling the kids and social distancing and everything on the campuses? Well, how do we handle that? And, and really what y'all need to know is that uh, here at the support center, we don't handle that. You have some very, very fine, committed believers and committed to children out there and campus directors, case managers, and house parents who live with those children, who live with that risk. We all know the children aren't the problem, right? They're going to be fine. The people at danger are the people our age. And those house parents have been unwavering. I'm going to tell you a little story that's going to matter in the devotion in just a minute, though, and that's this. Do you know that in the middle of camp, in the middle of COVID, when everything is shutting down and everything's going on, we have this ministry to take the good news of Jesus Christ to at-risk children and families. That's what God told us to do. Right in the middle of that, we can't do that. We can't have house parents. We need more house parents. We have two campuses that were closed that had no house parents on them, and that's why they were closed. Since March 16th, the day officially everything kind of shut down, God has sent, and people have answered the call, eight uh, employees, six of whom are house parents. During COVID, we now have every campus open, and every campus has house parents on it. Not fully staffed yet, but every campus all seven campuses of the Baptist Children's Village have families. Right Praise be to God. And that goes to our message today. I would ask you one favor. I'm asked all the time. Say, what can we do? What, what do you need? What, what can y'all do? If y'all would do this, because y'all need to understand our affection for the Mississippi Baptist Convention Board. I tell everybody where we go, we are an official agency of the Mississippi Baptist Convention. I'll be quite honest with you. Sometimes that statement is used as a shield where I have to stand and the stances that we have to take. I'll explain that in just a minute too. But you are very, very important to us. And what would be very good if you would call Christelle or call Karen in our office, they will give you a list of the case managers, the campus directors, and the house parents. If you have time, pick one of them just send them a letter to tell them just a little card that says hey I know what you're doing I don't know you but I know what you're doing just want you to know I prayed for you today that's it that's all they would need y'all that would go so so far to them some of our house parents we did not bar them from leaving campus on their leave time we didn't do that we said the children couldn't leave 
going to leave it open for our house parents to go home. Do you know most of them chose not to because they did not want to leave and come back dangerous. Most of them chose not to. Those that did wear masks and isolate themselves when they go out. These are the people who are working. So if you would do that, that would, I mean, that would go, go so very far. Anyway, uh, that's just the uh, update on the Children's Village. Uh, the churches have, in fact, like Don said, been very, very gracious to us. The gifts, uh, the gift from our convention, have been way more than we anticipated. But God is working through the people in Mississippi, and they're very, very, very good to us. At this time, though, I thought, you know, there have been hard times before. And have you ever thought about this? I always think about Joshua and Caleb and the 12 spies and how they went into the land, and you're very familiar with the story. Where would I have stood when that report came back? Now, I like to tell myself that I would have stood with Joshua and Caleb. Don't we all? We stand on this side of the cross, though. We stand on this side of history. But I like to say I would have stood with Joshua and Caleb. I would have been scared of them giants. But I don't know that. And sometimes we have to look at what was actually going on and look at that and apply it to ourselves. Because remember, what that was really doing, what that whole event was really going on there, is it was challenging, it was questioning, is my spirituality connected to my reality? Is my relationship with Christ connected with my decision-making and how I walk on earth? Is my Christianity related and connected to my reality? So, I would like to read uh, in Numbers, and we're just going to read uh, a part of this story. You're familiar with the story. But I want to ask you to do this this morning. We're going to read Numbers 13, verse 27, through Numbers 14, verse 10. And what I want to ask you to do this morning, I know you know the story, but I want you to focus in on is what were the realities? What were the realities of the dissenters, of the uh, ten that were saying, we can't do this? Here it is. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell there in that land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak, the, Am the Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with them, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in there are great in height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, so we seemed to them. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, What, that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? 
And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone thee with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. Now you got to think about this passage a little bit before we're too hard on the dissenters. And what I want you to think about is what were their realities? First of all, what was their command? Their command was go to take the land, right? God said, go take the land. That was their command. But then they had realities, and they were very real realities. What were they? They had vicious and large enemies. It was true. One of the things that we've got to remember, the report that the spies brought back, the ten that were dissenters, they didn't lie. Everything they said was absolutely true. They were giants in that land. you got to remember, there were skilled warriors in that land. There were fortified cities. Now think about that. If you were to go to play a team on their home field, and they're much bigger, they're much more experienced, they're much more everything. That's something we got to think about. So the ten that were dissenters were not lying. They were looking at a very real situation. I'm going to see. If they were looking at a real situation, and here's a reality, what they said was true. There's no way in the world that they were going to beat the people in that land. And they knew it. It wasn't going to happen. They were acknowledging a reality. And as we face what we look at today, what are our realities? One of the things I thought about, because you have to put yourself in their shoes. I thought about, and think about this just a minute. What about the Battle of Jericho? What do you think they all thought about their own strategy the night before they went out for that battle? Okay, here's a fortified city. It's walled. It's there. There are experienced warriors in there. And we're fixing to go out and blow horns. That's Joshua's plan. That's what we're fixing to do. The reality of this situation, if I were there, i got to be thinking, you know, the, the, the logical side of me, the rational side of me, I'm going, hey, Come on, man, are you sure you heard God right? This makes absolutely no sense to me. That, that, that's a real wall, okay? I, I, I know we believe in God, and I, and I know, you know, He saved me from my sins, and, and, and that's all good, and that's spiritual, and, and I'm with you, I'm there, I, I, I'm part of that. But, but you, you got to look at the reality of this situation. That's a wall. I'm blowing a trumpet, ain't like that. <laughs> And I'm all about God. What do you think they thought about their strategy? And then I think about us today, and I think about you. What are we told to do? You know, you can look at Mark 16, 15, and they said, Go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole 
creation. That's what Christ told us to do. What are we to do? Look in Luke 24, 47 and 49. And that repentance for forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending you, sending the promise of my Father upon you. We're supposed to go out and talk about sin and the repentance of sin. That's what we're told to do. In John 20, 21, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed to them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any of those, of any, they are forgiven. If you hold forgiveness from any, it is forgiven. And one of my favorites, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. And then, of course, the Great Commission. This is what we've been told to do. What is our realities? What are our realities? What are our giants? You know, COVID-19 has been a big hit. We're in the middle of COVID-19. Can we meet together? Can we talk? You know, one of the things that I am so proud of for the church is, no, we couldn't meet together, but you know what we did? Through God's leadership and the leadership of men and women that he's placed here to lead, hey, is there anybody that don't know how to do a Zoom meeting now? <laughs> no. We all can do Google. We have house parents that couldn't even turn the computer on hooking up Google meetings right now and Zoom meetings. God's showing us a way, but that's a giant. What about secularism in our world? What about that? What about the idea that telling somebody that they need to be forgiven of sin? It's offensive. That's wrong. We shouldn't do that. I'm being judgmental. And we know the correct response to that. That's a giant, isn't it? Sometimes it might make us hesitate and be a little quiet. But God said, go preach the forgiveness of sin. You know, one of the realities, we talk about this all the time, millennials leaving the church and whether or not uh, the church can get new members and stuff like that. And, yeah, it's a challenge. We don't want to ignore those realities. Those are some of the giants that we face with our future. I've been on top of and watching closely legislation, both federally and the state level. Uh, I'm supposed to go next week to Washington. I'm kind of re-guessing re that uh, because of some things I've got to do when I've come back and worried about the COVID virus there. But did you know, of course, you're all familiar with the RG and GR versus the EOC into a case that just came down from the Supreme Court about three weeks ago where they actually defined uh, in a federal statute the word sex now means uh, transgender all of those things that we didn't know that we were going to have to deal with. What does that mean to us? What does that do with us? Do you know that right now there has passed the House of Representatives an act known as the Equality Act? And the Equality Act it passed the House of Representatives, the Senate's holding it up. Um, really one of the reasons I wanted to go to Washington to kind of champion this cause. But the reading on the Equality Act will gut every religious protection statute that we have out there. The Freedom of Religion and Protection Act, get it. These are giants. There are those who want to close down residential child care. 
they have a lot of money, and they know how to lobby way better than I do. These are giants. This is what we fail. But Baptist Children's Village, what I tell you to do, take the good news of Jesus Christ to average children and families. Okay. These are our giants. These are our realities. The question is this. As we face our realities, as you face those that I don't even know what they are, the question is, we are. this is an exciting time because now we are presented with the opportunity to, to answer the question, would I stand with Jacob, Caleb, and Joshua, or would I stand with the ten? We have that opportunity. I'm, lucky. I'm excited about it. So let's never forget the reality that's in fact, in the world. Let's not brush it with this spiritual stroke that say, oh, that don't matter. No, no, no. Let's deal with it. Let's see it. Let's plan for it. But let's not be afraid of it. And let's remember this. The dissenters were correct. They were absolutely right. There is no way in the world that the children of Israel were going to be able to cross that river and go in there and take that land. No way in the world. And if there, if our confidence is in our own ability, if our confidence are in our own skills, if our confidence is in our own intelligence, if our confidence is in us, then guess what? We will not win. But we are not depending on what is in this world to win, because there's no way in this world we will win. Our faith, our confidence, is in the intelligence, the experience, the expertise, and the power of one that is not in this world. And it is possible. That is our hope. I love this. Let's skip forward. Because I think we need to practice this a little bit. Let's skip forward 40 years. When all the nations had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, and each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's foot stood, stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord, and go into the midst of the Jordan, Take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people a memorial forever. There's always been problems. There's always been challenges. Do we have, think back over, do we have stones of remembrance? Do we build ourselves? Where has God been faithful? Where has it taken what has been outside the world in whom our confidence rests? And he changes what's inside the world. When Tom first came on at the Children's Village, we were a little bit in crisis. We were really in a hurt for house parents. Nobody wanted to be a house parent. Nobody doing all this and we said you know what and we talked about this and we said we're going to have these stones of remembrance we're going to start praying about it right now and y'all in two years we are but 
six couples shy of being fully, fully staffed. Our confidence is in He who is not in this world or of this world. He's in the world through us, we understand that. But as all the challenges, as all the scary realities, let's not ignore them, it's true. And if you only had the world's common sense, you're right. But we don't. Our confidence is in Him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, thank you for who you are. Lord, thank you that you've given us skills, you've given us abilities, and, and, and you have endowed, endowed us with them. And Lord, we want to tithe them correctly. We want to use our abilities and our skills and our talents and everything, all for the building of your kingdom, all for what you have asked us to do. But Father, help us not have our confidence in our own ability. Because that's going to limit where we go. That will always divide our spirituality, our relationship with Christ, our kingship, our priesthood with you from our reality, the giants that we face. Lord, help us to always have our confidence and faith in you. Let us see, let us look, let us be smart. Let us use the wisdom that you give us that we ask for. But let us never be afraid. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.